So as uh, Virginia said, my name is Danny, and I am the pastoral intern here at Root and Branch. And uh, you might be new or you might be returning. Either way, you probably know that we only worship every other week. And so normally we would be celebrating another week of Lent as Easter is in two weeks. But because of our uh, unique gathering schedule, we're actually today celebrating Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday, it's a little refresher, is uh, it's a Christian festival and it's always the week before Easter. And it marks the, the beginning of Jesus's journey through the Passion Week. Um, this is really the, the week, the set of days, the annual festival that holds some of the most, the richest, most complex and difficult mysteries of the Christian faith tradition. It also holds a lot of our most uh, valuable rituals. So for example, on Maundy Thursday, which we will be celebrating, uh, we have uh, historically uh, performed the ritual of foot washing, or sometimes now in more contemporary settings, hand washing, <clears throat> to commemorate the, um, the, the day of the Passion Week in which um, Jesus uh, actually gathered his disciples together for the Lord's Supper. We also have another, uh, on Good Friday, uh, many different kinds of ritual practices of <clears throat> contrition, of lament, uh, and of um, uh, for seeking forgiveness for sins, which is uh, on the day of the crucifixion of Jesus, which happens on Friday. Obviously, on Easter, we celebrate the resurrection, um, and we will, we will be embarking on our own Passion Week over the next, we get an extra week, over the next two weeks. So Easter coming up is, um, uh, it can be complicated because of all the different narratives that we hear about Easter uh, out in the world. We hear on the one hand, these uh, soft colored pastel saccharine candy moments, right? That have um, uh, made Easter into a commercial holiday. On the other hand, Easter might be um, the opposite of that. It might uh, conjure up some feelings of um, uh, difficult times that you might have experienced if you have uh, been under the pressure of uh, salvation as a threat, as a um, uh, Easter, as a time where you are saved from the threat of eternal damnation. So I want to name that there's a lot of complexity here. But I want to bring us back to what are those uh, teachings in Easter that, um, that we have to learn from. And really, Easter is a time when we celebrate resurrection, the, the fact of life conquering death, and the salvation that comes from it. Salvation is that thing I want to talk about today. Because even though it's hard and weird, it might also be the central concept, idea, hope, metaphor that we have in this faith practice. Some of us have found liberation in it. Some of us have uh, found it terrifying. Maybe some of us have rejected it because of what is truly a troubling and unjust implication that maybe 
salvation is not available to all. So I acknowledge the difficulty and I'll bring it back to my story. I'll tell you about the first time I was saved. I was 12 years old. <laughs> I was, I'm already laughing because uh, it's um, silly. Uh, I was 12 years old. I was attending the church at which my dad was one of the pastors. And I had just seen something tr truly terrifying and traumatic. It was a play. It was a play called, I'm not kidding, uh, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. You can imagine you can imagine the content. Um, literally, my friend from youth group, his uncle played Satan, red face paint, black, the whole thing. Um, <clears throat> and my friends from youth group were also in this play. There were times when they like, uh, oh, you know, we're um, having so much fun. Do you want to do some drugs? <laughs> and and then they get into a car crash. And the the ones who my of my friends who chose to not do drugs go to heaven. And the ones who chose to do drugs were dr literally dragged into this like billowing red thing by my friend's uncle in red face paint. That happened. That was the thing that happened in my life. Uh, I was 12 years old, and then after all of that, there is an invitation. Who would come to this altar and uh, say the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I was, you know, um, a shrewd and, and feisty 12-year-old, but I don't think I was shrewd and feisty enough to uh, defend myself from the threat of eternal damnation. So you are damn right that I went up to that stage and I said that prayer like two or three times just to really, you know, <laughs> lock in that salvation. So I don't think today I would call that salvation. But there was something that 12-year-old uh, me knew And that was that I deserved to be loved. So let's fast forward to today. And first of all, I'll posit this idea that salvation is not a thing that happens once and you're done. Instead, it's a process, constant and cyclical. And it's not, it's, it's less a... Um, Thing we do, but more think of it as a description of something that happens in our lives all the time, which is the process of transformation, of dying to yourself in old ways of being and coming into a new way of being. And it requires a saying yes. Yes to what? Yes to the fact that you are worthy of love from your friends, from your family, from God, from that 
that ineffable thing on the other side, and from yourself. And we say that yes, not despite the things that we don't like about ourselves, our brokenness, our flaws. We say yes because we've been able to do the work to know that we can be loved and we can love because of those things. You can say yes if you've done the work to know that from the moment you were born, you were loved. So Easter, which is in two weeks, and it's not that saccharine and pastel thing that we are told about. It's the deepest and hardest part of this faith life. I like to think of it as a threshold or a gateway, a doorway, this moment that holds really the ultimate Christian teaching of transcendence, which we wrap up in this idea of salvation, of renewed life, of life beyond death, of the transformation of individuals and the world into something more whole and more radically loving. And Palm Sunday, then, is when we say yes to that. In our scripture today, we see people saying yes, starting with Jesus. He knew by his divine nature the difficult week that he had ahead of him. He knew by the prophecies that had been told and what he was expecting to live into. So he said, yes, I accept the call to walk this difficult walk. Um, yes, to the path of the Passion Week. And yes, maybe most significantly to the hope of resurrection on the other side of it. And the people in the crowd said yes too. They came ushering in or hoping to usher in a new kingdom, cheering Hosanna, which is a statement of praise. You might translate it as save us. They were saying yes to the possibility of salvation in the rich complexity of what that means. Salvation from the oppression of the Roman Empire. Salvation from the difficult social and political and economic conditions that they were wrapped up in. Yes to the hope of a new way of living. Yes to the hope of a new political, economic, and social reality. Yes to freedom as individuals. So that's our work, is to say yes. And that's hard work. Childhood me was uh, coerced into saying yes. That's, that's a fact. And you might be not surprised to hear that I took a bit of a detour away from Christianity for a bit. <laughs> that took me through college in my mid-20s. 
And during that detour, I grew and learned and became free in so many ways. But I had forgotten that truth about saying yes. I had forgotten the fullness of a spiritual life. And so I was um, struggling with my sexual identity in the light of the fact that my friends were starting to pair up, to start new phases of their lives together. And where was I? And that built up a deep tension. Whew. I really wanted to meet others' expectations. And I wanted to be free. And in that tension, I was so desperate <laughs> that I went back to church. I, and I found this time a Christian community who taught me something different that I was lovable in my fullness. That was years of work to come to that, to really believe that. And at the end, I did say yes. Yeah, to, to God, to God's love. But... I think the more difficult one for me was to say yes to the love of community and to the love of self. And it took a few different layers of work to get there. First was this interior work. It was shining a light on that infinite and ineffable expanse that is self. Finding in that depth the constellations and galaxies of joy and pain and letting them out. Letting them out in their fullness. and exterior work, deep time in community, finding love in others and in God, building a new sense of what that word even means. I think... Sometimes I think I know what it means, and other times I'm like, oh, I definitely don't. I'm getting confused. But at the moment, I had at least found something, which was this idea that there is a mysterious thing out there, an untouchable, unseeable thing out there and also in here, that thing that vibrates the electrons and protons of creation 
And in that vibration hums a song. You are good. And loved. And then bringing that interiority and that exteriority and letting them meet in a explosion of liberation. I don't imagine that will be the last time I need salvation because the desire to be loved is deeply human and the inability to believe that you deserve it is even more human. And that is why we must prepare our hearts to say yes to the love that exists outside of ourselves and within ourselves. And that is the invitation. Do the work. In the next two weeks, we are entering sacred ground. So as Moses did when Moses encountered God in the wilderness, we take off our shoes. Do those practices that help you find transcendence. Be silent, pray, meditate, spend time in nature. Practice, practice restraint, practice generosity. Make art, go to therapy, spend time in community. Come home to yourself. Come home to your loved ones. Come home to creation. Come home to the mystery. And don't do it because I said so, or because this is that time of the year when we're supposed to, or because those are the things that make a perfectly spiritual person. Do them because that is how we draw near to the depths that are within us and beyond us. That's how we find the stillness inside of ourselves to see ourselves fully. It's how we find the space, the capacity to see and feel the transcendent things beyond us. And it's how we bring those two things together into this explosive, liber liberative, and life-giving thing, which is transformation. So we'll be gathering in two weeks, and it'll be Easter then. And so we invite you to prepare your hearts as we draw near to the deepest and hardest parts of what this faith tradition has to offer. And in that, we'll find salvation, this promise that though pain and death are real and hard, they are never the end. And I'm glad to be encountering that mystery with you all. Amen.